Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us victory, the victory, the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And welcome back to the Living Victory Podcast. My name is Christian Conway. As always, I'm joined by my two main men, Max Keene and Jonathan Krause. And this week, as I've been thinking and praying and, and reading my scripture, I have kind of been reflecting on how important it is for us as Christians to live in the scriptures and to, to seek out the scriptures and to truly have a heart desire for the scriptures. And part of that is coming together with brothers in Christ and sisters in Christ and talking about the scriptures and reflecting on them. Uh, that, I think that's an important, like a really important part of the Christian walk and the Christian faith. And so as we begin this week's episode, I'd like to talk to you guys about what you guys have been reading in scripture and how God's been speaking to you guys this week. Because I think that just these conversations, I, I've been having a few of these, these this week with a couple of people that I know. And every time I have a conversation like this, it really pours into me and really, really helps me get invigorated and, and even more passionate about Christ. So so what have you guys been reading in scripture this week? Um, well, Christian probably knows what I've been um, doing this week because we're doing the same uh, plan together but um, a lot of psalms and a lot about David and um, his relationship with God which is honestly really cool to dive in and I think he's probably the one in scripture that we see the most between him and God what their relationship looked like and how they interacted with one another um, or Moses or Abraham um all of which he made covenants with. But um, David, we get to see his heart and we get to see um, how how he views God and um, the truth that he knows about God. And we know so much of the character of God from the Psalms, which we've spent some time in and getting to see who God is and how David has come to know know him through um through his experience um, in life, and we know that he had a crazy life um, from his youth to when he passed away, and just seeing all that God has done in his life, and um, while it's a life that I envy in many ways, it's a life I en- I want to stay away from in many ways as well, because it was difficult, it was hard, hard and yet we see that David was so close to God, talking to him so often and seeing that they were really close and David was a man after God's own heart and that's the kind of relationship I I want to build with God as well. And um, that has been an amazing insight to see about who God is as God is, you know, both a refuge, somebody who we can run to and turn to in times of trouble. And he's a comforter, um, somebody who is there for us always. Um, And yet God will um, avenge those who do wrong. And um, he will, he hates evil. And um, there were many who did wrong to David throughout his life. And so um, seeing who God is and all of these come together to show who our Savior is, really. Um, and so that has been an amazing impact. And um, another thing, this happened a couple weeks ago, but um, as we were reading a genealogy in First Chronicles, um, as reading genealogies, you wonder, like, okay, what in the world am I supposed to take away from this? Because, like, it can can be frustrating because all you're doing is reading names. And as I was reading it and reading it and reading it and seeing how, um, seeing just the whole line of everything and how everything worked out so perfectly, how God timed it all so perfectly. um, And we see throughout the biblical narrative and throughout Israel, that he had specific people in specific places for specific things. And I've been able to see that in my life as well, where God has had me in specific places at specific times for very specific things. And 
that has been sort of an encouragement to me um, as I've been wanting to know more about who God is and why I'm here and what God is using me for. And it's definitely a challenge in a day like today because I just finished school um, this week and I just came home yesterday and leaving was more difficult than I thought it would be, to be honest. Um, the relationships and friendships that I've built there have been something unlike I've ever had before. And um, really, it's been an incredible year. And so coming back, it's different because I don't have those relationships as strongly as I do. Um, and yet, I know that God still has me here for something. And so waiting to see what this summer holds, I'm excited, but also... Um, it's it's a little bittersweet for me. So that's where I am in terms of scripture reading and <laughs> how it's been affecting me over the past couple of weeks. I really love what you talked about in David and the Psalms, how, how you can really see that he's pouring his heart out to God. That when he goes into the Psalms, sometimes it's a song of lament. Sometimes it's a song of praise. Sometimes it's a song of worship. Sometimes it's a song of just pure adoration of who God is and the fact that he loves us. And when I, when I read those, it literally is just like David is, is spilling his heart out to God and it's not always organized. It's not always exactly perfect. And, and what you think uh, a prayer should be or, or the, the perfect structure um, that you think our conversations with God should be. And I really love that. And it's cool because I was reading a book today uh, it's actually a book that Max gave me, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about it later when we start discussing the things that I've been learning in Scripture this week. Uh, it's called Lead Like Jesus. And in this book, well, actually, it's Lead Like Jesus by Ken Blanchard, Phil Hodges, and Phyllis Hendry, uh, for those who, who want to look at it. But I really loved uh, that because the section that I just got to in the book talks about prayer and how important prayer was in Jesus's life and how underemphasized it gets in the life of a believer. Because I don't know about you guys, but most, the large, large majority of my life, the prayer that has happened in my day has happened either right when I woke up, right before I went to bed, or before a meal. And that's that's sort of it. Maybe, maybe a sporadic 10-second prayer here or there, but not really much outside of that. But when you look at the life of Jesus, you see that he went away. He said, you know, he was in the middle of a busy time. He was healing people. And he would just go off to a garden and start praying. He would tell his disciples, hey, I'm going to go pray. Or he would wake up early in the morning before anybody else was up and go spend an hour or two hours in the garden praying with his father. And just like you were talking about with David giving his heart to God, Jesus was also giving his heart to God. We see that in the prayer of Gethsemane. When he was asking God, he said, if, if it's your will, let this cup pass from my hand. Talking about the, the wrath that was supposed to be poured out on him on the cross, the punishment that he was taking on our behalf. And then he finished it off by saying, not my will, but yours be done. And talking to talking to God the Father, and it was such an amazing thing to see that to see the connection of how many hours a day Jesus prayed with also that little personal glimpse that we get inside of one of his prayers, and it reminds me a lot of the way that David talked to God. That David would just go out and and the Psalms are are old songs that they used to play with instruments, but whether it's a song or whether it's a conversation, just the fact that David and Jesus both poured their heart out to God, they both came before God and just started talking to him about stresses and anxieties and, and praises and worship, um, you know, pieces of worship. And that, that is a thing that I think is, it's, it's definitely severely missing in my own life. But I think it's also something that the Western church in general is sort of just lacking. And that is a time of communion with God. A, 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 and not only a time of communion where it's like a pray continually type of thing where you're, you're every now and then, thank you for this, God. You know, I really love you, God but like a, a chunk of time that's set aside specifically for God without distractions, without a phone, without anybody else in the room, a time where you just go and sit and, and you're completely alone with God. That's something that I really think is cool about both David and Jesus. And that's something that I think that we can all learn from and apply more in our lives. Because honestly, I don't think there's ever a time you're going to reach in your life where you think to yourself, oh man, I think I'm praying too much. Maybe I should stop praying this much. Maybe I should back up on the prayer and spend more time focusing on the world. Like, that's one thing that, that's it's really amazing is that no matter how much time and energy you, you pour into God, you, you invest in your relationship with the Lord, no matter how much you do, you're never going to reach a point where you say, oh man, I think I'm investing too much time and too much energy in this relationship. I think that I should back it up a little bit. 
uh, that's something that, that really encourages me, but it also challenges and convicts me because it's something that it's really hard to, to say, you know, I'm going to go pray for 30 minutes or pray for an hour like Jesus did. It's, it's definitely something I'm working on, but I really liked that you said that, Max, that you talked about David and how, just how he poured his heart out to God in the Psalms. Man, I have to follow up after that. Goodness gracious, you guys are dropping nuggets of gold everywhere. Um, man, uh, when I'm thinking about, oh gosh, there's so many things I want to say and bring up about what you guys talked about. And then I want to talk about what, what God's been kind of rolling around in my mind over the, over the past little bit. Um, the first thing I do want to mention is, is when you guys talked about, or especially Christian, when you brought up prayer being a really, really important one. Um, I couldn't agree more that, that prayer life for a lot of Christians and myself very much included in this, uh, is a very, uh, simple, um, very surface level thing in terms of, in terms of my prayers, uh, with God, uh, especially being that when you wake up, when you go to bed or before meals thing. Um, and I can honestly, I want to say this as, as an encouragement to everyone who might feel convicted about their prayer life, not being, um, where it should be, or, or they, maybe they, they feel like they've kind of failed God in that regard. And it's almost not even worth trying to start it up. It is a hundred percent worth working on your prayer life as much as possible. Even if you're literally only adding five minutes of prayer a day, it is worth it. It will never be a bad thing to spend more time in prayer, however little time it is or more time it is. Um, I can honestly say that, uh, times in my life where I felt closest to God are times when throughout the day I was spending these little moments in time, um, these uh, little moments in time in prayer. Sorry, I didn't finish that sentence. Um, and those like literally just, it could be, you'd be driving somewhere and you're like, you know what? I kind of want to like spend a couple minutes in prayer while I'm driving rather than listening to my playlist on Spotify or my audiobook or whatever I have going in the car. Um, unfortunately I haven't been doing hardly any driving lately, so I haven't had time to, or to do that, but, um, it's just the small little things during the day where you, you could be doing some kind of version of prayer, um, and really look for those and try to grab onto them and hold onto them and, and really put effort into trying to use those moments for, for prayer. Cause they really will set your mind on things of the spirit and, and put your mind on pure and righteous things. Um, and they'll make you really think about your relationship with God more and be in more reflection on that. And in addition, there's really, there's no cons to this. Like I could talk about pros all day. Uh, a big thing too, is it helps you focus on other people as well. Cause you start thinking about other people. It's like, oh, let me pray for that person. You know, when an ambulance goes by, oh, let me pray for whoever's being involved in that situa situation. You see car crashes, you see red lights, you see all kinds of stuff every day, um, throughout your day, other people. And how often do you think about, oh, I should pray for that person? Even if it's literally like a, man, I pray for peace in that person's heart. Like I, um, I know I talked, I literally just said, I don't do much driving, but when I do drive, I usually drive to go see my friends who are live, um, sort of like a city over from me, I guess you could say it's Maryland city. So they're not really cities, but, um, and that route that I take to go hang out with them, uh, there's a, there's a, I pass a graveyard, uh, or a cemetery uh, every day or every time that I drive there. And every time without fail, I see some kind of family huddled around a gravestone, um, or some kind of like assembly of cars where people are gathering for a funeral or to lay a body in the ground. And the, obviously I didn't think anything of it until one time I drove past and I was like, man, I could totally be praying for, for comfort for those people's spirits. Um, I could be praying for uh, peace with them that they would, uh, try to draw close to God if they're, if, you know, if they're Christians or that God would use that kind of situation to, to, I don't know, light their eyes onto the gospel, just weird kind of things like that, that we could totally be praying about every day. Um, and after that long spiel, let me jump into a little bit of what God has been kind of working around in my life. Um, I think the biggest thing is, is, I've been a part of this men's Bible study for, for this semester. And I can honestly say it's been really, really great, except for the fact that I haven't been able to go every week. Like I've wanted to, because I have a group project that meets on that same night as well. But, um, some of the leaders in that men's Bible study, man, they dive so deep into the scriptures and it was so inspirational to, to be a part of that. And so I think 
in my devotional times, I've sort of been getting glimpses. Um, you could call it from the Holy Spirit. Uh, probably is from the Holy Spirit. Where I just, you just see how far you can go into scripture and how much depth and how much truth you can get out of it. Um, and just to bring up an example of this, I've been going through Mark. I had a thought one day, I was like, man, Mark is in my mind, one of like, it's like the, the, the bee of gospels. I don't know. That's terrible to say. It sounds terrible to say, but really that's the way I thought about it in my mind was like, if I'm going to read a gospel, I'm not going to read Mark. Like I'm going to read Matthew. I'm going to read Luke or, or, you know, John is kind of has its own spin on things. Um, like I never think about reading Mark. And then I had a thought, I was like, wait, it's God's scripture. Like there's going to be tons of stuff in there. That's really good. Um, and I will only ever break the surface of God's scripture. So I'm going to read Mark out of spite that I didn't want to read Mark. Um, so that's kind of how I started reading Mark. And I got to this passage in, in Mark seven and this passage totally threw me off. Uh, at first I had no idea what the heck it was talking about. So I'm just going to go ahead and, and read it for you. So I'm in Mark seven, uh, 24. Um, and this is talking about, uh, a Syrophoenician woman who came to Jesus. So, uh, and from there he arose and went away to the region of Tyre and, and Sidon. And he entered a house and did not want anyone to know, yet he could not be hidden. But immediately a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. Now this woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. And he said to her, and I quote, this is right, obviously this is right from scripture. Let the children be fed first, for it is not right for the children's bread to be thrown to the dogs. And she answered him, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And he said to her, for this statement, you may go on your way. The demon has left your daughter. And she went home and found the child lying in the bed with the demon gone. So first of all, I might, I'm going to treat this as a little bit of a fun exercise. Max and Christian, when you guys hear Jesus say, and he said to her, let the children be fed first, for it is not right for the, to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. And then she answered, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs under the table must eat the children's crumbs. What the heck does that mean? What the absolute heck does that mean? That's a question for you guys, non-rhetorical. <laughs> All right, I'll take a crack at it. I think what he means by the, the children, that would be the Jews or the Israelites and the the dogs would be the gentiles so jesus is basically saying that his ministry was to the jews and um, to serve them and um, bring the gospel to them first although we know that it opens to the gentiles um, later on once acts comes along but um, at first that was who his prime ministry was to yeah i'd go along a similar path and and the same lines of Gentiles and the Jews, how the Jews are represented by the children in the story, the Gentiles are represented by the dogs. And just as it would be a misalignment of priorities to take the food that you've prepared for your children and give it straight to the dogs without giving it to the children first. Um, you know, of course, if you have a little kid, he's going to throw food on the ground. And like this woman said, the dog's still going to get fed somehow. But I think that Jesus was, was kind of making a parallel to that and saying that God had given him the task of specifically going to the Jewish people and trying to get their their teachings corrected um, before the gospel was presented to the Gentiles later in the New Testament story, and he was saying that that his ministry was to the Gentiles first, and then to the Jews or to the Jews first, excuse me, and then to the Gentiles. Um, but I'm interested to see what you have to say on it, Jonathan, because I feel like my answer is <laughs> not exactly correct. No, no, you guys are you guys are both on the right track. I really shouldn't have asked two very smart people about this because it it's making it makes me feel stupider. But literally when I read this, I was like, they're talking about dogs. Like, what, what does this have to do with their daughter who has a demon, uh, unclean spirit in her? Um, and I actually looked up, I had to look like a, I looked up a commentary for this and I read multiple commentaries about it. But you guys are both right um, for the most part. But this is like the beauty of scripture and how deep you can really go with this. So Jesus is referring to the children here as the Jews, as his, his children and the dogs as the Gentiles. Um, and you guys probably got that from the fact that it was a cultural norm to refer, Jews referred to Gentiles as dogs um, at that time. 
And so when Jesus says this, you guys are right. He's saying, look, I have first come for the Jews. The, my ministry is to the Jews. And if you want to put it in, in Paul's terms of words, you could say that it is not yet time for the mystery of the gospel to be revealed to the Gentiles. Um, and this is why what she says back is so crazy because you have to, you have to know at this point, she has no idea what the gospel is really. I mean, she might understand that Jesus is the Messiah, but she probably doesn't know that he's about to go die on a cross for the sins of humanity. And he has, she probably has no idea that, that how beautiful the gospel will be laid out, not only to the Jews, but to the Gentiles as well. But what she says is, yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And what that understanding, what, what that conveys in terms of her understanding is that there will be plenty of food on the table for the dogs to eat as well. Whoa. Talk about like prophecy right there. She is literally foreseeing the fact that when Jesus dies on the cross, it is not just for the Jews, but it will be in abundance for anyone, Gentiles included, who call on his name to be saved. I was blown away. I was literally like, I literally got out of my seat and walked around the room because I was like in total disbelief that this was how in depth I could go with this scripture. When I first read it, I was just thinking about a dog with like teeth and hair. And I was thinking about different dog breeds. And that was where my mind was when I first read this. And so just to kind of wrap up, I know I've been talking for a hot minute now, but man, scripture is so powerful. There's so much truth in it. The amount of depth in scripture is beyond human understanding. Of course, it's God breathed. So it's going to be beyond human understanding. But man, it is exciting to get into scripture and to go in depth like this. I think a lot of times when people do their devotions and they feel mundane about doing their devotions, it's because they're really, they're not getting into the scripture. They're not getting into the meat. They're just kind of, Paul put it in terms of they're, they're just getting milk from scripture. They're not, they're not getting hard, solid food. And man, when you dig into the scriptures, it's exciting, man. It's like, you know, it opens up your mind to things that you don't even think about. Usually it's totally, totally exciting. And I'll, I'll walk into devotion. I'm like, man, like I don't have time for this right now. And I'll walk out of the devotion like, man, I don't have time to do anything else other than my devotions. It's really, it's really cool. And God's been kind of like revealing that to my heart and to my mind more than I think he has in the past. And that's been really encouraging. And honestly, it's kept me in a mindset of doing my devotions, which has been really positive. Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's great. Um, so encouraging to me is I I understand what you mean in terms of like you want to go down and it's like I don't know if I can do this right now but like I should do it and then you do it and it's like my <laughs> mind blown as Christian is typing but um yeah just seeing so much and digging into it and I want to get better, especially over the summer, because I'll have more time. But um, just to dive in and see what, see more about what's going on um, in scripture. Yeah, I agree with Max. I think that what you just said, Jonathan, was really it, it's so true because you can go into scripture, and so many times in my life have I been guilty of that, going into scripture and saying, you know, I, I'll do this because I have to. I'm not really excited about it, and then. I think that sometimes that mindset of not being excited about it and thinking to yourself, I'm not excited about this. It puts you in a place where you are less able to take advantage of what God has to show for you. And it, it's, I, I guess that's, that's probably not the right way to put it. It's more so God is putting things in front of you and it's a matter of whether you're going to go out and actually seek those things and try to grab onto them, try to grab onto those truths and really apply them to your life or whether you're just going to kind of skim along the surface of the text and read it just because you have to. And that, that what you've been talking about kind of ties in a lot with what I've been learning from God this week, particularly. And it's, it's been really cool because these last two or three weeks, I've been learning so much from God. He's, he's been teaching me like every, every three or four days, I get a completely new lesson. And I'm able to go into that lesson and really learn how I can um, align myself even closer with him through that. But the most recent lesson that he's been teaching me has actually been the importance of spending not only time in scripture, but spending quality time in scripture and spending long uninterrupted times in scripture. And what I mean by that is 
throughout my entire life, I have had a practice of setting aside time for devotions every day. And I'm pretty good about, about setting a routine and making sure that I stick to it. And so I usually, over the years, it's looked very different, but it's, it's ranged from reading one chapter a day, reading three or four verses and going really deep into them every day, reading many, many chapters a day as a part of a year-long you know, year through a Bible plan. Uh, it's it's took, taken many different forms, but throughout most of my life, I've had a practice of reading scripture every day, but I have noticed that sometimes that scripture reading doesn't really hit home as well as I'd like it to. And these past few weeks, I've noticed that that's because the amount that you draw out of scripture is directly proportionate to the amount of energy that you put into reading it and learning from it. And of course, there are times when whether you put a lot of energy or not, God is going to teach you a lesson because it's, it's that time that he wants you to learn that lesson. But I've learned and I found that times when I sat down and, and attempted to read scripture, not because I have to, but because I want to and had nothing else on my agenda, those are the times when I've gotten the most out of it. And it really, this week, I've, I've started to do that um, in a deeper way. And the reason is because I've been listening to a few messages by Barry Black. Barry Black is the chaplain of the Senate, the U.S. Senate. He's the 62nd chaplain of the U.S. Senate. He's been actually the chaplain of the Senate since 2003. And one of my friends turned me on to him. So I started listening to some of the stuff that he's been talking about. And in a lot of, like almost every time he's interviewed, he says, I spend one hour praying the scriptures every day. And I was like, man, an hour a day in the scriptures, not only in the scriptures, but praying the scriptures. That's a lot of time commitment. And I was like, I don't know if I have an hour a day that I could just carve out and give to God. But a, a few weeks ago, Max and Jonathan know this because I sent this list to them. I wrote out a list of where I want to be in 10 years. I wrote out a list of, of where I want Christian Conway to be 10 years from today. And one of the things in that list is spend at least one hour with God every day. And so those two things kind of came, came together. I, I, I want to be a guy who spends at least one hour a day, every single day with God in 10 years from now. And there's no reason that can't start now. And then listening to Barry Black, and, and he is this guy that every time he talks, he, he recites scripture. He'll be like, oh, well, the Proverbs say this, and Isaiah said this, and in Genesis, God tells us this, and then Romans says this, and Jesus said this, and then Paul said this in the letter of Philippians. Like, he will talk about one topic and pull from 17 different locations in scriptures. It's kind of ridiculous listening to how much scripture this guy's memorized. But I, I was listening to him and how he, when he speaks, he kind of just oozes scripture. It's like one time I heard somebody talk about how we as Christians are supposed to be like a sponge. How when a sponge has a little bit of water in it, you have to try really hard to get that water out. You have to squeeze it and twist it and pull it. But when a sponge is, is overflowing with water, all you have to do is hold it in your hand and water starts coming off of it. And especially if you start pouring water onto that soaked sponge, then water just is constantly ricocheting off of that. And we as Christians are supposed to be like a sponge that's, that's constantly soaked in water. And that water is being God's word. That the more of God's word we put into ourselves, the more of God's word we have to offer, to, to outpour to those around us. And so I, I was listening to Barry Black, and he's really an excellent example of that. And so I started thinking to myself, I was like, you know, uh, the semester is kind of winding down. I'm, we're, I'm literally living in a hotel right now because we're in between houses in our move. So I don't have too much going on. I don't have too many friends in this area. So I have, I have more free time than I usually do. Let, let's see what this, this whole one hour a day thing is like. So I sat down the first day and I, I was like, all right, I'm going to spend an hour in scripture, but I'm not going to time it. I'm not going to put on a t an hour timer next to me because as soon as that thing goes off, I'll think to myself, okay, my hour is done. That's it. That's all I need to give to God. And I didn't want to have that mindset. I wanted to have a mindset of I'm opening it up before you, God, guide me, give, show me where you want me to go during this hour. And I do have a general plan that I'm following. Like Max said, we're both doing a chronological Bible in a year plan. So I have a general plan that I'm following, but if God leads me somewhere else, then God leads me somewhere else. And I wanted to have the freedom to do that and to go there. And then, like I also mentioned earlier, when Barry Black said that he spent an hour in the day or an hour a day in scripture, he said he spent an hour a day praying the scriptures, which, which means you're not just reading what's in the scripture, but as you read a passage, and it's especially potent because Max said we're going through the Psalms right now, but as you read a passage that, that says maybe there is nobody like you, God, you're not just saying there's nobody like you, God. Oh, that's cool. There's nobody like God. Next, you're saying there's nobody like you, God. Wow. And then you start talking to God. You say, God, thank you so much for not only being this special, unique God, this person who, who overcomes everything and, and nobody is even close to being as amazing as you. Thank you, not only for that, but thank you for 
taking all of your glory and your power and your might and giving me a piece of it, allowing me to share in that glory and might in your kingdom and, and giving me uh, an inheritance as a child of God, giving me an inheritance in your kingdom, giving me citizenship in your kingdom. And think you just, you know, you kind of go on like that. You take what you're reading in scripture and you allow that to guide your prayer and guide your meditation on scripture. So that's a lot of background for what I've been setting up. But anyway, I've been doing that for the last three or four days. And at first I thought, you know, an hour, it's going to seem like a long time because I'm used to doing 15 to 30 minutes in scripture every day. And I started doing that and I was amazed at how fast the time flies because we'll do Psalms and, you know, a Psalm might be 10 verses long, but if you start praying what's in those verses, if you start praying, doing a, a small prayer with every verse that you read, it really gets intense and, and you can go... You can let make a 10 verse Psalm last 15 or 20 minutes just by reflecting on who God is and, and what he's done for us and the love that he shows us and the mercy that he shows us, the forgiveness that he shows us. It's, it's, it's so cool to just kind of close your eyes and surround yourself with who God is and all the amazing truths about him. And there's so many truths in scripture. And I think that praying the, the scriptures not only gives me an opportunity to talk to God in a way that's more... Um, more informal, but also more um, long form than I usually do. But it also just gives me a moment to kind of let it saturate that I read something about God and not, I don't just read something about God and then go on to the next line and read another thing about God and go on to the next line and read another thing about God. Instead, I read something about God, then I pray to him about it and I think about it. And I, I let that truth about God sink in and really stick there for 30 seconds in my mind. Like it's an amazing thing. And like I said earlier, there's no, there's no specific time. Like I need to spend 30 seconds on every verse. I need to pray for 20 seconds and read for 10 seconds. Like there's nothing like that. I don't, if I, if I only get to 50 minutes, if I, if I go all the way to an hour and 15 minutes, I don't, I, you know, I don't punish myself for that. I just, I kind of let God guide me where he wants to guide me. And that's something that I've been doing over the last few days. And I, I hope that I'll be able to sustain it because uh, like Jonathan said, you go into your, your time with God and say, you know, I'm not sure I have time for this. And then you come out of it and say, man, I don't have time for anything else but this. I don't know how I can live my life without spending this time with God and really absorbing who he is and growing in that. So that's what I've been learning learning from God these last few days is just the importance of spending time with him and having conversation with him and allowing his truth to, to saturate my life and saturate my mind. So it's like that passage in Philippians chapter 4 verse eight, where it says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And that, I love that verse so much because it tells us exactly what we should be putting into our mind. We should be putting these things into our mind. And the amazing thing is that God, his scriptures and the truths that are in those scriptures meet every single one of those qualifications. So there's no amount of saturation and, and absorption of scriptures that you can experience in your own life that goes too far that says, oh, I've been spending too much time or, oh, I've been putting these things into my mind, but that I shouldn't have been. And so anyway, like I've, I've been going on a long time and I, I don't want to keep droning on about the same exact topic, but I just wanted to kind of emphasize how spending lots of time in the scriptures and allowing God's truth to absorb into my mind has been something that I've been learning from God recently. And I've, I've really been benefiting from it. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's something that is really incredible that, you know, I think often we take for granted that we have God's word and that we have um, access to reading what God has said to us and being able to spend that time with him is incredible. And um, one thing that I've noticed is when you spend time in scripture and learning about God there, then the time you spend out of scripture, the spend you or the time you spend in your normal day to day routine, you also are finding God in those moments. And so, um, one thing that I want to ask about you guys, and I'll share as well, um, is what has God been showing you about Himself outside of time in the Word? In other words, like, is there anything about um, about God that you've seen happen in your normal day-to-day -day life um, or even just how you've seen yourself in light of what God has done. Um, so I, I have a couple stories um, about seeing myself in light of who God is and um, 
when I was back in school, every night I would go on um, my prayer walks. And some nights the weather was more dreadful than others, um, especially in the wind. If it's blowing like 15 to 20 miles per hour and like it's chilly out, you don't want to go outside. Um, it takes so much motivation. And yet um, there were there was one night where I was walking and I'm like, you know, while this wind feels like a lot to me and it's really like annoying in this moment, this is nothing for God. Like he's there and allowing this, you know, small little breeze to go by. And while it's having an impact on all these different things in the world, it's nothing for him. And seeing how great God is and how small we are. Um, and again, so this was our last week of school, um, and it was really tough. Um, I don't know if you guys ever get that feeling where you're going to say bye to someone and you want to make the most of the time that you have with them. And yet, because of that, you can't find anything to do. It's really annoying. Um <laughs> But for us, um, I found myself in that same spot where I'm like, all right, well, I want to do something. I don't know what to do because like all I can think about is in just a couple of days, it's going to be over. Um, and my roommate, he was graduating and he just graduated yesterday. So congrats, Zach. Um, but we're like, well, we're not going to be able to have this time as much anymore. And so we want to make the most of this time. And so us, me, my roommate, and our next door neighbor, we, the three of us spent the last couple of days together. And it was just an amazing time where, you know, we got to play pool together and we went to a diner. And then um, when it got really late at night, we went up outside to a really high spot in town and, just looked at everything around and it was such a beautiful gorgeous view and just wow that, that's all i could say is seeing god's creation was an incredible incredible um i don't even know how to describe it it was just incredible um to see god's creation um and how i guess insignificant you could say we are as we're so small and we don't, we don't have much out. We don't have anything outside of God. And we were, all right, I'm getting on two like tracks that I want to go with this. So I'll go with the first one. So as we were up on that hill, um, we were looking at God's creation and my roommate, Zach, he pulled up Psalm eight and read this to us. And so um, the backdrop is we're, outside on this beautiful night it's dark and we can see just everything around us and lights are on everywhere in the cities and there are trees and mountains in the background and it's beautiful so soulmate says lord our lord how majestic is your name in all the earth you have set your glory in the heavens through the praise of children and infants you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger when i consider your heavens the work of your fingers the moon and the stars which you have set in place what is mankind that you are mindful of them human beings that you care for them you have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor you made them rulers over the works of your hands and you put everything under their feet all flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky, and the fish of the sea, all that swim in the paths of the seas. Lord, O oh Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And so seeing how great God is and seeing the creation around that it's writ that's being talked about in the psalm, I mean, wow. That's in a that's a moment that you can't get back. Um and something that is just going to stay in your memory forever and seeing how great God is and how small we are. And in my Christianity and culture class, we were talking about how God could 
God is so great. And, you know, sometimes we think of ourselves as like, oh, God died for us because we have value. Well, maybe not because we are sinful beings. We've gone against God. We've sinned against him. And our sin is disgusting in his eyes, which shows even more how great his love for us, that even while we were still sinners, he died for us and rose again. And how amazing the gospel is that God loves us so much, even while we were going against us. And it just blows my mind how we're just these small little creatures on this planet. And yet he still loves us so much. And he created us in his image. And just it's mind blowing all that God has done and how great God is. And so those are just a few things of what I've learned about who God is and how much he loves me. And it's all because of God and salvation is through him alone. And it's, wow, God is so good. That's really all I can say. Yeah, Max, I is, <laughs> I love Psalm 8. And so as soon as I heard you start reading that, I was like, yes, yes, you're God, you got it. So uh, yeah, Psalm 8, like just the idea that we as human beings don't deserve anything that God has given us, yet he gives us beautiful creation. He gives us salvation. He gives us each other. He gives us relationships with, with God and man. Like it's such an amazing thing to reflect on. Um, and, and keeping along the same path of things that we've learned from God in kind of our everyday lives. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I did an organ or I did a program called Teen Pact, and it's a week long political leadership camp. And most people, when they hear political leadership camp, start falling asleep. But before you start falling, <laughs> before you start falling asleep, uh, hear me out. It's a Christian organization that takes uh, high school students to their state capital and teaches them about politics and how politics works. But it's not a political camp with a Christian spin. It's a camp that teaches you how to allow your faith to shape your politics rather than allowing your politics to shape your faith. And that's something that a lot of people struggle with. It's something that a lot of people who are, who are extremely invested in politics, um, they struggle with is allowing their faith to come first and to dictate what they believe when it comes to the political spectrum. And I say all this because it was a Christian camp with a political spin rather than a political camp with a Christian spin. Every day we did devotions in the morning. We did devotions in the evening. We sang worship songs. We made sure that all of the political stuff that we did was, was making sure we kept God at the center of it all. And in that week, in that relationship, or excuse me, in that week, one of the things that they require of you is to put your phones and your electronics away and to really just be present in the moment, to be present with each other and to be present with the ideas and the thoughts that you're having with each other, whether those be political or scriptural. And one of the things that really stuck out to me is w going into it, I thought, you know, I'm going to keep my phone on me because I am a busy person and I need it and I have things going on. I have a life to live. But as I started doing it and, and continued in, I realized that I didn't think about having my phone on me at all that week. Like I, I apart from texting my mom every night because she wanted to know what was going on, I was caught up in, in God and the ways that he was moving in that camp and the relationships that I was building with people at that camp. And it really helped me to, to put my focus back where it belongs. Because I think that in this world, there's so many things that attempt to take our focus. There's things that, uh, that say, I'm important, I'm important. It's like walking through Las Vegas is a, an analogy that I use this week for it, is you're walking through Las Vegas and there's lights everywhere. There's lights and billboards up high, down low, right in front of you, behind you, literally everywhere you look, there's something that's attempting to distract you. But what we need to be focused on is the one thing in this world that will never change. And that is God's love for us. And as long as we keep our eyes on God and his love for us, that that's the only target that's never going to move in this life. That's the only thing that we can keep our eyes dead locked on and never going to have to move them. And if, despite all these distractions that are going on around us, you know, there are things that will temporarily take our eyes away from him. But the more that we seek to remove these things from our life, these distractions, and allow ourselves to really keep our eyes on God, I think the more beneficial it is and the easier it is for us to have this walk that God has called us to walk, and the clearer it is for us to see his path that he's laying out for us in our lives. And so that week, it really just gave me uh, an idea of how how much I rely on social media and and news alerts that I get on my phone and texting people and how little I really need all of that stuff. And how, how much benefit I was able to get from things in the week 
that I would have been distracted from had I had my phone on me that I was not distracted from because I was able, instead of having my phone on me, I had my Bible on me. I was able to focus on these things. And not only that, but I was surrounded by a group of like-minded people who had the same goal as me. And that goal was to, to grow closer to their, or grow closer in their relationship with God and really use this week as a growth point and a catalyst for helping them get to that next level and, and make sure that they're pursuing God even more in their life. So that's something that I've been learning uh, recently in, in my everyday life is just how many distractions I put around myself. And it's actually, it's kind of embarrassing because I did that week and I realized how distracted I, I was beforehand and, and how I was able to take those distractions away during that week. And then immediately got back into my old habits. I immediately got back into checking the news alerts that popped up on my phone and looking at all the different sports sections on social media and on the news apps and um, making sure that I was constantly up to date on social media to know what, what was going on in all of my friends' lives. But I think that that really just sucks. Literally, that will suck hours of my day, sitting and scrolling through social media, going and looking at sports alerts and texting my friends about what's happening in the sports world. When really, if you think about it, all of these things have no eternal impact whatsoever. And so I think reflecting on that, uh, that's something that I, I really need to change moving forward is I don't know what that, that thing that I need to do is, but I personally am going to make an effort to try to take some of those distractions out of my life and make it easier for me to focus on the one who I should be focusing on, uh, the focusing on my, my one relationship that does have an eternal impact in this world and allowing that to shape whatever else I focus on in my life allowing God's love for me to shape how I interact with my parents and my siblings and my friends and, and how I interact on social media and how I interact with the technology that's around me. Because technology is, as we, we hear a lot, technology is a tool. It's something that can be used for good. It can be used for evil. And I think that if you have a Christ-centered view on life, technology can help you take that to the next level. Technology can help you, like, like this podcast, for example, technology is helping us spread the gospel even further and, and take God's truth and share it with even more people than would be possible if we didn't have technology. But just as easy as it is for technology to help you take your faith and your, your focus on Christ to the next level, it's, I would argue, even easier for technology to take your eyes off of Christ and to put your eyes on something else. So that's something that I've really been learning is how to take my eyes off of all the distractions that are happening around me, put them back on Christ, and then to make sure that I'm taking those distractions in my life and really weeding out which ones, which ones do I not need? Which ones can I completely do away with? How can I minimize some other distractions in my life? And how can I really have my life centered around Christ and everything else kind of is an outflow from my relationship with Christ? So that's something that I've been learning these last few weeks um, in my everyday life, apart from what I've been reading in scripture that I think has really been benefiting me and, and will continue to benefit me as I make those changes moving forward. So as we close out this week's episode, uh, I was really blessed by this opportunity for us to talk with each other, for us to just come together as brothers in Christ and, and talk about what God's been teaching us in the scriptures and in our everyday lives and how we can apply that to our lives. Because I think that that, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, that's something that really is so important in a Christian's life is the ability to not only reflect on what he or she has been learning from God during that week, but also the ability to learn from fellow brothers and sisters in Christ and see what they've been learning. Because just as easy as it is for me to learn from what I've been doing these last few weeks and my relationship with Christ, it's awesome that I got to come on here and learn from Jonathan and Max as well and what they've been learning from Christ. And I hope that you guys listening have been really encouraged by this episode. And we encourage you guys, please reach out to us. What have you been learning from Christ this week? How has God been speaking specifically to you and helping you grow closer to him and, and what have you been learning? Because we'd love to hear it. Can you email us? Email us. You can email our general email at questions at livingvictorypodcast.com. You can email us individually, uh, one individual host, if you'd like to, at Christian, Max, or Jonathan at livingvictorypodcast.com. You can also reach out to us on Instagram and Facebook at livingvictorypodcast. We'd love to hear from you guys. We'd love to get connected with you guys. We, we want to have a community of people that do exactly this, that come together and talk about Christ and, and build each other up in scripture and, and love and talk about what God has been sharing with them and how we can grow closer to God and grow closer to each other at the same time. It's such an amazing thing that God has given us relationships with fellow Christians and, and a way to motivate us um, to continue to stay on the right track, to keep us, keep us grounded and keep us focused, give us blinders to this life where we're not focused on the things that are around us. We're focused on God and what he has prepared for us in our lives. Um, but as always, we thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. 
Uh, if you guys want to support us, there's a number of ways that you can do that. The first and easiest way is to share this episode or share another episode of ours with a friend because we have a lot of episodes. We've been doing this podcast for over a year now. We have, I believe this will be our 56th or 57th episode that we've released. So you can go back and if there's anything that speaks to you or, or that you think would speak to somebody else in your life, uh, if you could share the episode or share any of our episodes, that'd be amazing. Uh, another way that you can support us is to go on to whatever app or whatever platform you listen to podcasts and give us a rating and a review because those ratings and reviews help us climb up the charts and help us help get more eyes and ears on this podcast and on the gospel of Jesus Christ that we aim to share in every single episode uh, that we do. We thank you guys for listening. Um, one more way that you can support us is you can support us monetarily if you feel so called. You can support us. We have merchandise that you can buy. We have t-shirts and mugs and hoodies and tank tops, uh, masks that have the Living Victory logo on them. Uh, you can buy those if you go to livingvictorypodcast.com on the homepage and scroll all the way to the bottom. There's a link where you can find those those uh, pieces of merchandise. You could also give us a direct donation if you feel so if you feel so led. And that link is livingvictorypodcast.com slash donate. It'll take you straight to a PayPal link uh, where you can give us however much your heart, uh, however much you feel called to give us. And our promise to you is that 100% of what you donate to that will go back into the gospel, go back into this show, into Living Victory, helping the gospel get further and wider and get more eyes and ears on the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we, as we've been sort of teasing for the last few weeks now, we have an announcement that will be coming up in the next next few weeks that we're really excited to share with you guys. It's it's the next the next level of where we're planning on taking Living Victory, and we're really excited to share that with you guys and, and have you guys uh, be praying for us and and walking alongside us as we take the Living Victory platform to the next level and use as much of the influence that we have, however much God God gives to us, use that influence to help push people closer to God and closer to the gospel and and more into His love. So. Once again, as I've said so many times in this episode, and I, I say it so many times because we love to emphasize it, we thank you guys so, so much for listening to this episode. This podcast truly would not be what it is without you guys, without you coming back every single week and listening to our episodes. We love you guys. We thank you guys. And as always, love each other and shine your light. <laughs>